Hello, this is Daniel Gregory. Thanks so much for joining me for episode 378 of the Perceptive Photographer podcast. I hope you are having a wonderful week. I hope you're getting a chance to go out there and do something, you know, to refill the tank, to revitalize the soul, so to speak. Whether it be as simple as having a cup of coffee in the morning, sitting on the porch, watching the birds fly by, or maybe getting to go see a movie for the first time in a long time. Whatever it is, I hope that you're getting a chance to get out there and do something that rejuvenates the spirit. If you're looking for something to rejuvenate the spirit, you know, don't forget to check out my website, danieljgregory.com. Got some workshops up there that there's still a little room in, particularly in the fall, and getting ready to announce a new workshop, a collaborative workshop coming up. So that announcement will be here probably in the next uh, week or two. So don't forget to check out those workshops if you're looking for a way to rejuvenate the spirit. Would love to see you in one of those. That being said, this week, somebody asked me a really kind of a Interesting question. Uh, and it was, do I use the program PhotoPills to do my photo research? And I own PhotoPills. If you don't know what it is, it's an app on your phone that provides an insane amount of information about how to approach your photography. It can give you location information, sun position, moonrise position, star trail photograph information, hyperfocal, focal length conversion, an amazing tool for the for the value. I mean, for the money you pay, an amazing tool to have on your phone to really help you with a lot of the nuts and bolts technical aspects of photography. But the interesting part for the question was, for me was, do I use that tool to do my research? And I think what the question really was is, do I use that tool when I'm like pre-scouting a location, when I'm pre kind of trying to figure out exactly where I'm going to stand when I come to a location? And I don't. I don't use it for that particular one. I kind of get a general sense of like, where in the world am I using a tool like that? But the question of research was really important because I think that is one of the areas where a lot of us fall short in our photography. We actually don't spend enough time doing research about our photography because the research is really one of the foundational elements that defines how we're going to approach our photography. Because remember, our photography is the amalgamation of all of our experiences and all of our knowledge and all of our feelings, emotions, and sensations that come into that particular click at that moment. And in many ways, the more information we have, the better position we're in to make a more meaningful photograph. And so when it comes to research, I think there's some really interesting aspects when you're going somewhere, or you're working on a particular project, even if you're shooting something in your yard, in your house, you're photographing still life objects, there's some interesting things that can come about from doing a little research. And when I say research, I, I don't mean like locking yourself in a library or in the Google for months on end trying to write a dissertation level thesis. I mean, for some of you that may end up being that way. But for me, really starting to understand the background behind something. Where did something originate from? How did it get started? What made this sort of interesting for me as a place, location, subject matter? What is it about that thing? And if I knew more about that thing's history, if I knew more about its background, its culture, what could come out of that? And so even as something as simple as photographing a flower, you know, what is the background of that flower? What is the family, the genus, the species? What other flowers are related to it? What's that flower used for? What's the 
different seasonalities of that flower? How is it grown? How long is its life cycle? All of those little things start to become bits of information that can be used to aid my sense of seeing when I look at the photograph. When I'm imagining how that photograph would appear, when I'm imagining what will that photograph be about? Because the more I know about something, the more I understand its backstory, where it originated, where it came from, it allows me to start to process and develop more complex themes, more complex emotional responses, more understanding of those responses by having that additional information. So when I go to photograph a place, I'm interested in learning as much about that place as possible. For example, if I'm going out to Yellowstone National Park, I'm interested in the geography. How is the park formed? What is it about the park's place in the universe that makes it unique? Why is it so diverse in geology? Why are the thermal pools in one location but not in another location? What are the type of animals? What's the biodiversity that exists within the park? What's the actual history of the park? Where did people first come to the park? How did the park's layout get designed? How many people visit the park? How many different countries do they come from? How many rules do they ignore by staying away from the buffalo? All those different elements come into play to help me understand when I'm standing in front of a hot spring, when I'm standing in front of a thermal pool, when I'm looking at anything in that park, I'm getting a sense of the longevity of that the experience of the millions of years it's taken to form those particular elements within the park. I can then incorporate that feeling, that sensation, that knowledge into point of view, into perspective, into compositional creation, into shutter speeds, into depth of field. All those different elements come into play because I'm now providing additional fuel for my own creative fire. And it's not inspiration that I'm waiting for. It's not, oh, something I've never seen before. It's not some magic that happens. It's allowing myself to have the experience of a deeper connection and deeper meaning and deeper understanding to the thing I'm photographing. If you think about portraiture, one of the most important things you can do to connect with the people you photograph is establish a rapport with them, establish a connection with them, learn something about them so that trust is developed, that I'm going to make a good portrait, you're going to expose something of yourself, but we're going to collaborate in that process. That's a mutual benefit to both of us in that experience. That comes from additional information other than there's some person across the street who I know nothing about that I just took a photograph of. Now, they might be doing an interesting gesture, interesting moment, interesting walkthrough of a thing of light, and we get a different sensation. But if we're actually creating a true portrait where there is that engagement, the more we connect, the more we understand, the better off we are. So when we think about also photographing and doing research, what sort of things do we look for? Again, I've mentioned history. Like what is the history of the place? When we come across a ghost town, an abandoned town, you know, Brody in California is a great example. Millions of people have photographed that. Of those millions of people, a very small subset even know the history of the town. You know, they know it's a cool place to photograph. They know they got these abandoned buildings. I have a friend who's gone and made some amazing night photography there. And I'm like, oh, Brody, yeah, that's cool. So what did you think about, you know, it's 
demise? How did it come about? What's, he's like, I don't know. I just knew this was this cool photograph I found on the internet. So it was Brody, California. And I went down there and made photographs. And yeah, they're good night photographs. But the problem with that is they're exactly like every other night photograph. I literally could put his up next to a, a million other photographers and never be able to tell which one was his. And I believe that it's at the core of that is it lacks the heart of the connection to the place. So I saw something cool. I'm going to rec rec replicate. There we go. Or I'm going to create something meaningful about something I have an understanding of. So I think history is important. The background of a place, the culture, to understand a culture of place, an, a culture of people, a culture of a society really drives the experience. The more we understand the complexity of that, the better position we're in to make a more interesting photograph. The geology, the geography, the people who live there. So, you know, whether you're looking at actual books, whether you're watching movies about a place, whether you're listening to a podcast about something, the more information you have, the better off you are. Because the thing that the information is going to do is it's going to shape more of your emotional response to the place and to the photograph and to the subject and to the person and whatever you're doing the research for. So if you're photographing something as simple as a wooden spoon, what kind of wood is it made out of? Was that wood from a felled tree, from a reclamated wood? Is it an old spoon? Is it carved in the traditional by hand tradition or was it machined? Is it one of a unique spoon that was carved? Is it one of a million that came off an assembly line that's identical? All of those little elements shift how we might think about photographing that spoon. If that spoon is a one of a kind, hand carved by somebody a hundred years ago and has been passed down from family to family to family member, we would think about potentially how to light that photograph, how to position that photograph, how to treat that photograph differently than if I told you this is one of the wooden spoons that's available in any Walmart, Bed Bath & Beyond, Target, Amazon in the world. Everywhere you go, you can get this exact wooden spoon. We would approach those two things differently. And to me, at the root, that's the value of the research. So do I use photo pills for my research? I can't. Because PhotoPills doesn't give me access to the things that I think are the most valuable in research. For the workshop I have coming up in the Palouse in June and then the one in August. Learning about the geography of that, learning about the history of that place, learning about that it was in the late 1880s is when we started the farming and we moved from, you know, horse and plow into more mechanized farming. What kind of food is grown there? How big are the farms? How did the little communities pop up? What are the anchor communities? Those all drive the experience. It was I go around and look for things of like abandoned farm equipment or abandoned buildings or lone trees on a hill where I think, wow, that tree, that 200-year-old tree, that 300-year-old tree that's still out there in the middle of that field has seen amazing transitions. When I think about the geography of that being built after the last ice age, that all impacts how I might compress or expand hills. Those elements all come into play as I think about moving into that location. So again, no matter what you're photographing, I think getting the background, getting knowledge, getting information 
will definitely fill you up. As I said in the beginning, we've got to do things to fuel the tank. I think you'll be surprised by doing research that's not, how do I technically make a photograph? But how do I gain a deeper insight into the thing I'm photographing? I think when you do that, you'll find that it fills your tank in a really interesting way to really make more interesting photographs. Have a wonderful week this week. Get out there and do something fun and creative, even if it's as simple as drawing stick figures. Just get out there and do something fun. Thanks so much for spending a little bit of time this week with me for the podcast. I really do hope you got something out of it, and I'll see you next time.